Welcome to MRCS on the Move. Bowels, bones, and backseat vibers. I'm your host, Naomi, but this is the podcast where you do the talking. Good evening, folks, and welcome to another episode of Bowels, Bones, and Backseat Vibers. Fasten your seatbelts, boys, because this is going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> I think I've gone crazy. (laughs) So still isolating. Um, These are probably going to come out at a different time to when I'm actually isolating, but I think I've officially gone crazy. Thought I'd share it with you guys. (laughs) Please don't judge me. I actually know some of you and uh, that's probably quite embarrassing. Um, I hope you're all more sane than I am and ready for another hot topic of appendicitis. I'm sure we're all far too familiar with appendicitis, but can't hurt to go through it one more time. So let's start with the epidemiology of appendicitis. Tell me a little bit about it. So it is one of the most common causes of acute abdominal pain in children and young people most common in the second and third decade, and marginally more common in males. Now, the appendix obviously sits off the cecum. I'm not going to patronise you by asking you that, but what is the most common position of the appendix? And tell me the other possible positions it can be in. So retrocecal, behind the cecum, is the most common position it's found in, and this is roughly 75% of cases. Others are pre- and post-ileal, pelvic, or subsecal. Now what is the blood supply to the appendix? What artery do you have to be aware of when you're doing an appendicectomy? So it's the appendicular artery, which comes off the ileocolic artery, which comes off the superior mesenteric artery, which is a branch of the abdominal aorta at L1. See, the appendix is part of the midgut, so that's why we know the supply comes from the superior mesenteric artery. As a slight aside, tell me the divisions of the GI tract. So there's three, isn't there? The foregut, the midgut, the hindgut. Foregut, midgut, hindgut. The foregut, lower part of the esophagus to the major duodenal papillae. And that is supplied by which artery? The celiac trunk. And then the midgut, obviously, from the major duodenal papilla to the second, third, sorry, to two-thirds along the transverse colon and is supplied by the superior mesenteric artery. And then finally, behind the back, the hindgut 
is the transverse colon to the anus, just above the dentate line or at the dentate line. Um, and that's supplied by the inferior mesenteric artery. Correct. Okie dokie. So obviously appendicitis is inflammation and infection of the appendix, but what causes this? And can you tell me a little bit of pathology, pathophysiology of appendicitis? Basically, something causes obstruction of the lumen of the appendix. This leads to the multiplication of commensal bacteria behind the obstruction, resulting in acute inflammation of the appendix. Decreased venous drainage leads to inflammation, which leads to ischemia and eventually necrosis, and that is what leads to your perforation. Most common causes of the obstruction are a fecal lift, that's by far the most common cause, and then others, rarer, tumours of either the appendix or the cecum, lymphadenopathy, and foreign bodies, just some other possibilities. So what are the clinical features of appendicitis? Very simple question, I hope. Okay, so umbilical pain that radiates to the right iliac fossa, or migratory right iliac fossa pain is a smooth way of saying it. The initial visceral pain is conducted by which nerve? The lesser splanchnic nerve. I'm still in the clinical features question, by the way. I'm just adding in a question. <laughs> and that originates from... T10 to T10 slash T11. Now the T10 dermatone is around the umbilicus. So that's why you get the initial pain around the umbilicus. But then once the parietal somatic pain receptors are involved, the pain um, localizes to the right iliac fossa. Then you've got associated symptoms including nausea, vomiting, anorexia, they can be febrile. Um, diarrhea, constipation, and then on examination, they could be unstable, showing signs of sepsis, um, and they can have a abdomen that is tender in the right iliac fossa, possibly with guarding, with percussion tenderness, with rebound tenderness. Um, so, what is Rosving's sign? So it is pain in the right iliac fossa on palpation of the left iliac fossa. So the right iliac fossa is worse than the left. What is psoas sign? So it's pain in the right iliac fossa on extension of the right leg. And it's due to the inflammation of the peritoneum which overlies the psoas muscle or inflammation of the psoas itself. And what is the obturator sign? So that's pain on flexion and internal rotation of the hip, which is due to the irritation of the obturator internus by the inflamed 
appendix. So the psoas sign, the obturator psoas, push your leg back, extend the leg, obturator, you're flexing the leg and internal rotating. Okay, so you've got a patient, <clears throat> you're seeing an A&E on call, right ear foss of pain, A&E uh, definite is an appendicitis. <laughs> um, what are your other differential diagnoses? So obviously this depends a little bit on the gender and a little bit on the age. Um, but we've got gynae, renal, GI causes, and then urology causes. So gynae, um, you've got your ovarian cyst ruptures, ectopic pregnancies, always get a beta HCG or pregnancy test, and your pelvic inflammatory disease. From a renal point of view, possibly renal colic, pyelonephritis, urine retract infections, GI tract, inflammatory bowel disease, really important to ask about that family history and features, you know, sort of a weight loss recently, blood in their stool, change in bowel habit and diarrhea might make you a bit more, oh, is this an IBD picture rather than simple appendicitis. Meckel's diverticulum or in the elderly population or older population, diverticulitis or diverticular disease is also a possibility. You can get right-sided diverticular disease as well. And then from a urology point of view, check the testicles, the possibility of a testicular torsion or epididymarchitis. So testicular scrotal exam should always be part of your examination as well. So, Amy call you about a 20-year-old female with migratory abdominal pain. You've taken a history, she's got 24 hours of pain, she's nauseated, got reduced appetite, she's febrile, tachycardic with rebound tenderness in the right iliac fossa. What are you going to do? So you obviously want to start by stabilising this patient if necessary, so to perform a quick, probably, a concise A to E, making sure she's stable, stable and looking for any sign of sepsis. Get IV access, take bloods, including usenes, FBC, CRP, beta HCG, group and save, and a coag. Give um, analgesia, antiemetics. Give antibiotics once you've got those blood results. You might want to consider some cultures. So she probably wants a urine dip. Um, and if that's positive, cultures sent off, thinking about differentials. And also blood cultures if she's febrile. If, then keep the patient nil by mouth. Remember to add that into your plan. So, so finally, just make sure if, if you have noticed that they're septic, septic, that you're getting that septic six in. So just tell me what is septic six? So you've got that buffalo. So blood cultures, monitoring their urine, so catheter possibly, give them IV fluids, um, give them antibiotics, <laughs> my brain's going a bit dead now, um, buffalo, um, give them, uh, get a lactate from them <laughs> and give them oxygen.
There we go. That was <laughs> I've got that written in front of me, so that was a bit off my head. Of my head. <laughs> Should be quicker. Um, okay. What scoring systems do you know for appendicitis? Just give me a couple. I'm not going to talk about them much. So I've just got two here for men. Supposedly the appendicitis inflammatory response score is better. Very good. And then the Alvadaro is another possibility that basically gives you points and predicts your risk of or your chances of it being an appendicitis. Okay, so think about the patient that we just talked about, this 20-year-old female. Would you perform a CT? And if not, would you consider any other investigations? So I would say no for this patient because they're young um, and there's quite a good history and a clear history of appendicitis. Obviously, if anything in, in the history, you know, concerns you for anything else, then you may consider different. In terms of other investigations in stable patients, maybe there's a bit of diagnostic uncertainty, you might request an ultrasound scan, especially in women for pelvic ultrasounds. Um, to look for the other gynae causes as well. What are you going to do then? So I think if you've decided this patient has a really good clinical history of an appendicitis, you do everything we've done above, you keep them nil by mouth, you discuss it with your senior, you tell, and then you book them, consent them for a diagnostic lap, plus or minus an appendicectomy. And obviously there's the option of, of doing um, open, which might be what, what your hospital does in younger children. So how would you consent for a diagnostic lap, plus or minus an appendicectomy? So as with any consent, it's important to first check the patient's identity to then explain the operation you're going to do and that it is a diagnostic lap plus or minus an appendicectomy. You then need to explain the indication for this and the benefit for it, so that's to treat the infection in this case. And you need to mention any alternatives. Possibility of treating it with antibiotics, but not um, what we would currently recommend in these patients. And then you need to take them through the risks of the operation. So risks include pain, bleeding, infection, as we always start with. Damage to structures around, particularly you need to mention damage to the bowel, damage to blood vessels, nerves, damage to um, the ureter, although less likely. You also need to talk about risks such as conversion to open. Um, the risk of collections and needing for drain or further intervention down the line, um, or the risk for a repeat procedure if there is any sort of complication. You'd also need to talk about a risk of um, hernias in the future. Small, small, very rare risk of a needing a bowel resection. Okay, what are the complications of an appendicectomy?
So these include perforation, collection and pelvic abscesses, and appendix masses. Main complications, really. So, well, I think we're finished there. Again, another fairly short episode. Um, this whole not having a gap in the middle really makes a difference, doesn't it? Maybe I'll sing for you. <laughs> I really need to not do another one while I'm isolating. Anyway, um, have a good day, folks. Um, I will speak to you again soon. Ta-ta, bye-bye. Oh, well, a dim, bone, dim, bone, dim, dry, bone.